0: What joyous sound is this? That's right, it's the Plunge, your favorite weekly deep dive into the refuse of American politics and pop culture. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Plunge underscore podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review us on iTunes, and check us out on Stitcher and SoundCloud as well. On this episode, we explain why neither of your hosts particularly care about Russian meddling, how Putin's presence in the White House does not offend us and why the context of the alleged hacking matters. We will explain this for as long as possible before the CIA throws us in jail for being Russian bots. In business news, we have to say, I told you so, regarding Elon Musk's baseless attacks against the heroic diver who saved a Thai boy's soccer team and Mark Zuckerberg's attempt to be inclusive towards Holocaust deniers. In pop culture, we're talking about Boots Riley's anti-capitalist film, Sorry to Bother You, Sasha Baron Cohen's Who Is America, and Disney's decision to fire their one passable director in a tremendous capitulation to Mike Cernovich and the alt-right. As always, we will close out with a light-hearted story involving critters to cleanse your palate. Stay tuned for all that and more. It's another episode of The Plunge.
1: episode 31 and Sam I have one important question for you shoot it out are you willing to use your body to block Vladimir Putin from desecrating our White House at the request of this traitorous president
0: Uh, I'm actually not because so many liberals have been telling me that Putin is gay he's clearly gonna try to pull a move on me through some Russian gayness
1: Now, I just want to point out, that sounds like a bit we made up, but Bradley Whitford, who we all know from various films such as Billy Madison and Get Out, and obviously he was on the West Wing, (laughs) and look, he, he actually said that. He wants to use his body to block Vladimir Putin, as if i don't know like didn't they have slaves in the white house like yes what is this i mean it's overrun by rats as we have gone over in the past like like it's there's a rodent problem in the white house what is this fantasy that it means some like american ideal
0: yeah i don't understand why the issues of you know Children being separated from their parents at the border or people being thrown in cages. I don't know why that in, didn't inspire him to fucking lay down his body before, but I guess the idea of, of Vladimir Putin somehow entering the White House, the idea that our president would talk to some other foreign leader is so beyond the pale that he feels to, the need to, like, get in there.
1: Yeah, so I guess good a time as any to talk about it. Before we get into Helsinki and Trump and Putin, there was this fucking awful story by this guy with, like, the most Greek name ever <laughs> about... I, this take is so terrible, I can't even, like, bear to, to try to make sense of it.
0: Yeah, this guy Panos Mordukutus wrote something for Forbes. He wrote a thing, and it's called, Amazon should replace local libraries to save
1: taxpayers money. <laughs> So, correct me if I'm wrong, the point of the library system is that we all pay barely anything for it in taxes, yet have access to everything. Where the point of Amazon is to not let workers have bathroom breaks.
0: Yes, that that is a good way to distinguish the two. The good thing about libraries is that there's no financial barrier to entry to going to your local library, accessing the internet, accessing just free information. It is such a unbelievably valuable resource. But I guess if you're a rich asshole who writes for Forbes, then you can't understand what it's like to have to seek out a library in order to stay up to date with things or maybe even just send emails. So he keeps like getting in the replies. Cause obviously this stupid piece got ratioed into oblivion, but he keeps like up with the replies. At one point he's saying like, our libraries worth our tax dollars that gets just each one of his replies has gotten ratioed by people saying, yes, it's fucking worth it to pay next to nothing in taxes for libraries, which don't really eat up that much money anyway. So that people can have free information and free access to, like, technology is absolutely worth it.
1: Yeah, think about internet access, academic things you have access to. Like, this is just so fucking stupid. And to hand over all the libraries to Amazon, I mean, would you want your mom to all of a sudden go from her job at a library to working for Amazon? (laughs) Fucking no.
0: Yeah, for full disclosure, my mom does work in a library on the front lines of making socialism in this country. And it's a government job with benefits and shit. It's not always good. It's not obviously like the most well-compensated job out there. But working for Amazon is, you know... Three notches above like slave labor. I mean, you're you're gonna die in an over like heated warehouse somewhere, and then Amazon's gonna sweep you under the rug, or already write your death into the business plan. It's fucking ruthless.
1: Hey, or maybe you can go on strike uh, when you work for Amazon and get your teeth knocked out, as happened last week to a striker in a yeah, Amazon right. warehouse. So, is there any line or? part of this Forbes article you want to pull out before we get into the geopolitical. (laughs) I didn't read this piece of shit
0: article because it's a waste of time for me to even like lay my eyes on this nonsense. And because as I said, this guy Panos has been in the fucking replies just showing his, his, he doesn't have any thought beyond just getting rid of taxes. He's one of these people for whom the idea of paying taxes is the worst possible thing you can pay for being fucking extorted by a corporation is no big deal. Paying, like, an iota of tax to the U.S. government or even your local government in the case of libraries is just so far beyond the pale for this person because he's not a real human being with real thoughts. So I don't need to read his bullshit. One person replied to him, one of, like, the billions of people who replied to him said, fun fact about getting books from Amazon, you have to pay money for them. And then Penos replies, but you don't have to pay taxes. <laughs> What the fuck are you talking about? You have to pay sales tax? <laughs> what world are you in? It's just so, it's it's not, it's delusional. It's fantastical. It's just total nonsense. Not to mention, as uh, for, former uh, high school classmate Brian Menegus replied to on that, from uh, what he writes for Tech. Uh, Gizmodo. He replied saying, like, you know that Amazon is subsidized by the U.S. by taxes. Like, you pay money to have Amazon the same way you pay money in taxes to have your library. The only difference is that the library doesn't do it for fucking profit, unlike Amazon.
1: Yeah, and then when you bring up the fact that Amazon is tax-exempt, it's fucked up, this article. It's And the guy's name sounds like penis. Sorry, I've been saving that one for a while. It's
0: true. It's His name sounds like penis of dying Greek origin. If I think that's what the Greek translation of his name is. Anyway, uh, do you want to continue on to, as you said, some geopolitics?
1: Yeah, so if we're to believe the liberals of the world, our best course of action would be to start a war with Russia? Apparently. <laughs> I... I- I have to admit, I ducked out of a lot of coverage. You know, the beginning of the week. I mean, I'm tired of seeing people earnestly say like, "This is a new 9/11 or Pearl Harbor or some disaster." When it's literally just like, "Oh, my TV is not like this show's not good today." <laughs> like, that is the material effect of this on us.
0: Yeah, so listeners, you may think it's hyperbolic for Dan to say that people have been saying that... Putin's attack on the US is our Pearl Harbor, but I literally just read that from Politico. It is the headline of an article that came out last week. It compared it to Pearl Harbor. It compared it to 9 11. I've even seen this fucking cyber, supposed Russian meddling cyber attack compared to Crystal Knocked,
1: which is a fucking (laughs) reach. What? Yes. Can you. you Uh, Kristallnacht, the night of broken glass, Sam. What was that for our people who might not uh, remember?
0: Yeah, for all the Holocaust deniers in the audience, Kristallnacht was the night the Nazis destroyed, like, German, uh, fucking Jewish businesses, smashed out windows, which is, like, what they mean by the night of broken glass. It's, like, seen as the official start to, like, the horrifying subjugation of Jews under the Holocaust and systematic, you know, extermination. So... Comparing Putin to that is just so fucking stupid. And I think that these people are all being willfully ignorant of history, especially when you see something like Bill Crystal saying we have... I'm going to read it, his stupid ass tweet. He said, We've had presidents who are too willing to make deals with dictators like Nixon seemed weak vis-a-vis dictators like Carter or relegated America to leading from behind, which benefited dictators like Obama. Sure, whatever. Anyway, he cl- closes his tweet. Have we ever before had a president who was, to put it simply, pro dictator?
1: So let's. Latin America, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean. The the right answer to this is, a, like, a fucking <laughs> of course. If, you, if you've been anywhere during the 20th century, you should know the names, like, Suharto. You should know about Baby Doc. You should know about Pinochet. You should know about the Bronco regime. You should know about Park Chung-hee. You should know about, like, all of the right-wing dictators. We literally have, like, what the Academy of the Americas, like, universities to train right-wing dictators in, like, Latin America. It's a fucking political project of the U.S. foreign policy to instill friendly dictators all over the world when it's beneficial to the u.s it's the most absurd a historical statement i've ever i have seen personally about this russia shit
1: also what is this take that like trump never would have met with him if putin wasn't white yeah (laughs) this like strange identity politics argument that comes weeks after he met with Kim Jong Un who is not white. Like. Right.
0: Right. Of course it, like this idea that um Putin and and Trump are this, you know, transatlantic white nationalist alliance is just once again zero decontextualized into obscurity. There's I did see a thread from G here about this supposed connection and he links to a lot of fringe conservative figures who saw the Russia, Russia as, like, a white country that could be used to serve the right wing in America, the, you know, racist right wing, the white supremacist right wing of U.S. politics. But it doesn't, I don't think it's borne out because in Russia, the far right white nationalists don't like Vladimir Putin. They all, Putin in the past has been, like, I am the administrator of a vast multi-ethnic, like, fucking country so it's not beneficial to him to favor this kind of white nationalist group in a multi-ethnic country as i as we said before like i don't think it's really borne out i think it's very lazy and it's a, a lazy way to inject an identity politics angle to this trump putin bullshit
1: there's no i don't think there's a grand conspiracy here any, like, meddling that occurred
0: and should maybe potentially be investigated is dwarfed in comparison to the U.S.'s propaganda campaigns abroad from that are continuous and have been going on for decades at this point. It ignores the fact... Remember when, like, fucking Edward Snowden sh- revealed that we had been wiretapping, like, every Western European political leader? Like, do you remember... Like, all of this shit is... It's so dwarfed. We also did the exact same thing to Russia to keep Boris Yeltsin the drunk premier in power because it was useful to the U.S. I mean, this this whole thing is just so out of context. And there's a, we'll attach a good current affairs article written by a former Marine and uh, person who was trained at the NSA headquarters as an intelligence officer that kind of puts all of this into a more useful context. But... I just... I honestly, at this point, don't give a fuck about Russia. I am... How do you feel about it?
1: I don't give a fuck about Russia. Do something about the fucking gerrymandering.
0: Yes. If you're going to talk about voter suppression or throwing elections, I mean... In the U.S., that's a lot... You know who's doing that. It's the fucking Republicans. It's the people who are trying to get every bit of the Voting Rights Act struck down. And uh, it's just preposterous. Like, you can look at the Supreme Court. These are the people who are actually rigging your
1: elections. So, why would certain liberals have us go to war over this? Why are they saying that this is war? That that the Russians (laughs) committed an act of war? Even if... Whatever was done to make conservative grandmas and shit share (laughs) fake memes. I think it's uh,
0: centrist horseshoe theory. This is my, so horseshoe theory is the idea that the far left and the far right are more similar to one another than they are to the center. This is nonsense. Obviously the center left and the center right are much closer to one another to the point that they both want to all these law and order people who are just so angry about this supposed violation of American norms because America was the greatest country until Putin fucked it up. All these people have so much more in common with each other than they do with anyone else. They absolutely want war abroad, liberals and conservatives, because for liberals, it distracts away from the fact that they have no vision or power left. And... People don't like them. People are literally, like, leaving liberalism for Republicans. People, they lost votes, people who voted for Obama, to Trump. And that's a huge fucking thing. It's, and it's it broken them to a degree to the point that going to war over with Russia to preserve their worldview seems more tolerable than just correcting their own actions and being more realistic to deal with, like, how to actually win elections and shit. I don't know.
1: It's... Goes beyond preserving the worldview, and I think it ventures into a sort of liberal jingoism that they... Have to be able to say like we're more patriotic than you, right wingers. Yes, and this is the ultimate way to do that.
0: There's also a little of that unhealthy liberal do-gooderism of like, oh, we need to export American democracy to backwards places like Russia. I mean, you saw that in the '90s with shock therapy, which where the idea that we needed to shock Russia with capitalism because they had been out of the capitalist system and under the Soviet bloc for so long, and that of course led to like the highest increase or the biggest like decrease in life expectancy in the developed world in like recorded history. So, I mean, it's a disaster and that's why you have the rise of oligarchs and Putin and it's just a way for them to act like they didn't create this problem as well, I think, or that they can solve this problem by like overthrowing Putin and having free and fair elections in Russia or something. And this ignores the fact that Putin is not a dictator in this in the sense of a, of the word I don't think because Putin all does enjoy broad popular support in Russia. People in Russia and lots of other countries don't think that autocratic leaders are that bad of a thing.
1: The practical end goal here of Putin coming to the White House and using our bodies to block uh. him. Like what is Bradley Whitford trying to get at is is something I'm just struggling to understand. Like what, it would make you feel good to, like, lock arms with a bunch of giant foam fingers <laughs> that have the stitching of uh, Trump fucking Putin in the ass? So I think I have a good— Or sorry, it would have to be—Trump uh, uh, would have to be the bottom. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. No, that's a big—so
1: I, I, my source on this. So
0: I've been to these protests, and the people who show up for these— these are the worst fucking protesters ever. There are all these upper middle class, like, white people who are just offended at the transgression of, like, U.S. sovereignty or norms or something. And they have signs and shirts and stuff. The worst kind of – all the stereotypical, like, Trump-Putin homophobia that we've been seeing that I joked about at the beginning of the episode. Um, all the I, – I saw a guy with a shirt that said, dance like Russia isn't watching – Cool. I had to leave when I heard people chanting, confirm Merrick Garland. Like, it's the most... <laughs> I'm not kidding.
1: Oh my god, that's the most, like, limp dick, like, zero vision or imagination thing I've ever heard. It's
0: horrible, and they fucking... So, I, I want... One guy I had to confront, I, I actually... I left and I, I thought about it and I was like, I really got to talk to this guy about his sign. His sign, it's actually been going around on Twitter. It says, like, I hope they used condoms when Trump took it up the ass from Putin. It's literally, I, I went up to the guy and I, I, I was, I think, respectful. I waited for a chant to end, whatever they were chanting, like... Uh, confirm Merrick Garland or like <laughs> law and order, like whatever bullshit they were chanting.
1: <laughs> law and order is Trump's law. I know.
0: That's the thing is I was watching this and I was like, these people are so unlikely to convince anyone to oppose Trump. Like I hate these people and I ostensibly agree with them because I do think Trump is a problem. But I went up to the guy and I said, look, I hate Donald Trump. I hate the Republicans. I hate all they stand for. I'm very far to the left, but your sign is super fucking homophobic. And it's like – I don't think it's, you have, his sign was massive too. And he's right up at front. And I was like, so people are going to see your protest. And the first thing they're going to see is your sign. And just assume it's a bunch of homophobes. And the guy just dismissively said like, thanks for your input. And all this boring shit. And I, I was, I, I saw him, uh, pictures of him later on Twitter, like days after. So clearly he didn't take anything I said to heart. But I think there's. A certain kind of liberal that thinks like because my politics are good in whatever sense of the word, it's okay for me to make homophobic jokes about Putin or Trump or to joke that they might be closeted. I mean, Dan, you saw that animation from The New York Times.
1: I think that people, you know, at The New York Times, at the protests and, you know, Colbert made his infamous uh, cock holster joke about Trump and Putin liberals who engage in those sort of homophobic jokes. They basically want to prove to right wingers that they can do what they do, but because they believe in gay marriage or something, that it exempts them from any sort of criticism. You know what, does that make any sense?
0: Yeah, I think you're. I think you're onto something, and it is indicative of the way we've seen Democrats largely try to act like Republicans. The, their their reaction to losing the presidency, losing all three branches of government and being just wholly unpopular, even with their own base at this point is to act like Republicans because they think that's how you win because Republicans win. So I think they're just trying to adopt the same strategy, but from their own shitty perspective of like, Oh, we can do it because we're liberal. It's a very disturbing thing. And it's seen some, some of the worst manifestations, the person who put a life-sized fake Putin on the wall street ball in new york and covered it with dildos
1: what does it even mean well sam he's gay clearly oh
0: oh that's the joke i get it trump and I, yeah i i think they there's also been an effect i think because trump is president of the country literally and he's on the record just being profane and non-politically correct and everything, that now liberals are like, well, we've gotta fight fire with fire. Uh Putin's a faggot. Like <laughs> they have no reaction that's not no, like No, and
1: they and they and they say things like that because they they they're humorless. Yeah. Like And they have no imagination either. No. The, the best they can do is well, what would be the most humiliating, what would be the worst thing ever. What if they were gay? If they were gay, that would be, like, humanizing. Yeah, absolutely. That would be the most human thing about
0: either Trump or Putin if they were completely in a gay relationship. Like, a transatlantic gay relationship, these two wildly powerful, like, heads of state. That would be a romance for the fucking ages. They would go down in history, and like, good history, like, woke history <laughs> shit.
1: Last thing. Let's move on. But I also just question if Trump would even look at a thing of like if he saw that new york times animation that had like him and putin like kissing on a cloud or whatever yeah do you really think he'd be that upset about it <laughs> yeah it's like the, the the balloon in in the uk that everyone's losing
0: their shit over the trump balloon and how they're like once he sees this his head's gonna explode i'm like has it exploded yet you guys have been trying to dunk on him for like three years now
1: it's like does he watch like the Colbert like my cartoon president and <laughs> yeah. like I'm just like spit Diet Coke at the TV like I don't think so I don't think it hurts their target I don't think he gives a fuck if you say like haha you're gay no and when it comes to
0: the New York Times this is a paper that is made owned by conservatives and made for liberals so maybe that's why you see so much of this fucking homophobia in there like and it really kind of it tells on liberals it tells on who what kind of people they are that this is what they think is compelling that they think they're allowed to make this kind of joke i mean granted we have kind of upped the gay jokes this time because we're making fun of the fact that they make fun of that which may be problematic but either way like it's It's just ridiculous. No apologies. Un- <laughs> Either way, these people are definitely unapologetically trying to use homophobia to make political points or to like dunk on Putin or Trump. And it's it's pathetic and shitty. I mean, to close out, let's just talk a little bit about how like, the US outspends Russia on its military by an unreal factor. The $700 billion um, budget that they recently approved was a $60 billion increase from previous years. $60 billion is more than Russia spends on its entire military currently, a good bit more. So we spend more than the next seven countries combined on the military. Our military activities around the world, there is no way to compare. Compare Even Russia, the former Soviet Union's military capacities as a former global power to the U.S.'s just wide like fucking global apparatus of military control. There's no comparison to be made.
1: Since we know this story's not going anywhere, let's put a pin in it for now and move on. Well, we have
0: to wait till the next uh, fucking, when he when when invites Putin back and all the liberals ferociously surround the White House, thank the cops for their service and def, you know block Putin from entering or something.
1: I couldn't figure out a way to word it to make it funny, but I just had this, like, image in my head of, like, why don't they create, a, like, they dig a moat around the White House and just fill it with their own shit. Yes. I couldn't figure out a way to word that on Twitter that I wouldn't sound like a, a, a you know, an idiot. But think of this, this image, the White House surrounded in shit. No one's... No, Putin will not
0: come! And then they will dig into the shit. They'll put the signs that they've been walking around outside the White House of, like, Trump fucking Putin... Po- or getting fucked in the ass by Putin. Like, Trump and Putin kissing. It'll be just a wall of, of like, homophobic signs surrounding the White House and uh, keeping Putin from entering. Oh. He'll see that and just be like,
1: My God. And <laughs> what? just turns around. This is an awful <laughs> <It's> like... country. <laughs> Alright, um... You know, Elon Musk had uh, an awful week calling a hero Thai soccer team rescuer a pedo baselessly. (laughs) And actually, funny enough, Tesla's market value plummeted two billion (laughs) (laughs) dollars. I think
0: people are starting to realize with Elon Musk that he's not that he's not like Tony Stark or whatever. He's not smart. He's. A guy who invented PayPal is probably a pretty good sci- computer scientist. He made a ton of money and then he invested in all this like epic bacon wind shit like electric cars and what, flamethrowers for personal use or whatever nonsense and made himself a bit richer. He's not like this, you know, fucking tech renaissance man.
1: So the New York Post uh, has a really funny opinion article about just called Elon Musk is a total fraud, and you know if it's in the Post, you know it's a conservative rag, (laughs) so it's just kind of funny. It's a good summary of how Tesla and Elon Musk are just bunch just fucking up. Bloomberg has reported that the company burns through five hundred thousand dollars per hour. (laughs) Um. Talent uh, constantly leaving uh, from executives to engineers. Uh, in March, a Tesla driver was killed while test driving an autopiloted Model X. Jeez, fully decimating half of the car on impact. Oh my God. I mean, they're taking time bombs. Two teenagers were killed in a Model S Tesla after its battery caught fire following a crash. <laughs> and
0: sorry, I'm, I shouldn't be laughing, but no, it's but ridiculous. It's, it's absurd.
1: But, and that this man has the everlasting support of an army of nerds is, yeah. and he uses his Twitter like bully pulpit.
0: Yeah, he does.
1: And when he goes after a smaller account, his hordes like go after them, and it's it's absolutely ridiculous. And. SpaceX has been complete failure so far. Many rockets have burned up or crashed. <laughs> I mean, SpaceX, the one of the most heartbreaking videos I saw recently and this is like kind of sanctimonious and
0: stupid. But the the did you see the video they were tearing down the the towers at Cape Canaveral? I was just it made me think I was like, "Damn, we defund NASA so much and we uphold S- SpaceX which people who've worked for it call it Slave X because of how ruthless their labor practices are but SpaceX is a glorified military contractor it's not anything groundbreaking I mean like we already knew how to get into space before all he did was bring this stupid like private sector BS know-how into it which translates into violating labor standards as I mentioned before killing any
1: chances of his employees unionizing Yeah, he for did sure. this weird thing I-, I read that he slept on the factory floor Yeah, yeah, when his workers were working like fucking 18, 20 hour days, like seven days a week. Oh, and his plan for this hyperloop to, you know, shoot you across the country is a disaster as well. I think that
0: Elon Musk and specifically Tesla are such a potent example of the failures of like capitalism and liberal capitalism because it shows that he has no innovations over like the Henry Ford model of producing cars. He is going to compete with GM and all these other auto giants as uh, just like with a startup mentality. You realize how much infrastructure you need to be an auto manufacturer. It's an absurd undertaking. And he just thinks that he can bring this like private sector know-how into solving something like the fact that we're over-reliant on cars in the U.S. or on gasoline in the U.S. And it, he fails so Resoundingly. And I cannot understand how you see the career of Elon Musk and specifically Tesla without just thinking we absolutely cannot try to tackle environmental issues with like the private sector nonsense. It absolutely requires like sweeping left wing structural change.
1: And this idea that you can subsidize and pour money into uh, semi charismatic guy's crazy ideas. And get like tangible technologies that will like change the world, innovation, yeah. synergy, whatever. Okay, Musk's companies have received 4.9 billion dollars in subsidies, and it's been He's called a welfare child. He's oh, a well, it's been called by an investor, Jim Chanos, a walking insolvency <laughs> heading toward a brick wall. Christ. And last thing, there have been. At least three investigations into workplace safety at Tesla Inc. Two investigations have been ongoing since April, and yet Musk took to Twitter to boast that Tesla is now building its cars in a tent. Not sure we actually need a building.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, he has this stupid startup-like app mentality, and and he's trying to do like actual heavy industry, which i'm sorry you can't just have like a startup like car manufacturer it's the stupidest thing i've ever heard in my life i i don't know uh he's a clown and it i think another example of this idea that you can pour money or pour your hope into like this private sector ceo uber mensch is fucking mark zuckerberg this guy who's supposedly gonna give us all internet and connect all of us like dang go off king
1: So here is an excerpt from the Recode website, uh, their interview with Mark Zuckerberg. And this is the interviewer and Zuckerberg going back and forth. Okay, Sandy Hook didn't happen is not a debate. It is false. You can't take that down? I agree that it is false. Okay, I also think that someone who is a victim of Sandy Hook and telling them, Hey, no, you're a liar. That is harassment, and we actually will take that down, but overall, let's take this whole closer to home. Okay, I'm Jewish, and there's a set of people who deny that the Holocaust happened. Yes, there's a lot. Zuckerberg. I find that deeply disturbing, but at the end of the day, I don't believe that our platform should take that down, Because I think there are things that different people get wrong. I don't think they're intentionally getting it wrong. But I think in the case of Holocaust deniers that they... And this is the interviewer. In the case of Holocaust deniers, they might be, but go ahead. It's hard to impugn intent and to understand the intent. I just think as abhorrent as some of those examples are, I think the reality is also that I get these things wrong when I speak publicly. I'm sure you do. I'm sure a lot of leaders and public figures we respect do too. And I just don't think that it is the right thing to say we're going to take someone off of the platform if they get things wrong even multiple times. What we will do is we'll say, okay, you have your page and if you're trying to organize harm against someone or attacking someone, then you can put Up that content on your page, even if people might disagree with it or find it offensive. That's the end of the excerpt.
0: So at the beginning of that, he's basically saying, I know that Holocaust deniers are wrong. And I know that a lot of them intentionally mislead people because they're anti-Semites, but they have a lot to contribute to the discourse. So we cannot silence them because they mean well.
1: And he even fucking says, if they're trying to harm someone or attack someone with your page, you can still put it up, but we won't widely distribute it in the news feed. So that way the what? cops can't
0: find them. It's not widely distributed enough for like the authorities to fucking deal with it, but it is widely distributed enough to enough people. It doesn't take that many people to like go kill a Jewish person, you know?
1: So you could start a page that says, gas all the Jews, yes. right?
0: Or, or, no, no, how about, how about one that says, gas the only Jew who lives in our town. What about that? Right. That's fucking targeted. If it doesn't blow up, Zuckerberg thinks he's done his job. And congratulations, the Jew can still get fucking lynched in whatever shitty town that he lives in. I mean, it's horrifying.
1: We have seen Zuckerberg go out of his way to hire conservative consultants to make sure that the news wire on Facebook isn't skewed liberal but i mean this is just repulsive he did follow up with an apology after taking a lot of heat online and he said i personally find holocaust denial deeply offensive and i absolutely didn't intend to defend the intent of people who deny that but you did yes and And you are one of the most fucking powerful tech assholes in the world so You saying this sets a precedent. Yes. And it's just so fucking stupid. So just like
0: Elon Musk is kind of an I told you so moment about the environment, I think Zuckerberg, this is another very big I told you so moment. After 2016, when there was this fake news hysteria, which Trump totally has weaponized for his own use, and now fake news means like CNN, because Trump knows how to fucking manipulate the media. People were all clamoring for Zuckerberg to like crack down on fake news, like for these tech oligarchs to c- crack down on like the you know fake news and censor all these people. And it's just between that, between Twitter, like anytime you see uh, like this, a af- reply m- might be offensive. It's usually something innocuous. It just goes to show that all you're really doing is handing these people with horrible politics and horrible worldviews the ability to. I mean, censor or limit or filter or whatever, manipulate the information that you can see easily on their services. I mean, obviously, you shouldn't rely too heavily on social media for news, but social media plays a huge role in the dissemination of news. That's unavoidable, an unavoidable fact of our current like, situation. So, it just once again, I fucking told you so. Trusting these people is stupid.
1: I'm reminded of the Wired Magazine profile on the two years of tumulted Facebook, where two former Facebook people said he was like Lenny <laughs> Of Mice and Men, this giant who didn't realize his own strength and was basically uh, completely unequipped to handle what uh, his... Platforms Man, and what he doing. said he,
0: uh, to walk it back when he was saying, I didn't mean to I, – I personally think Holocaust denial is bad. That doesn't mean you didn't say what you said. It kind of reminds me of like how he said liberals think that like because they believe a certain thing – like Zuckerberg believes because he's Jewish and he thinks it's bad to deny the Holocaust, that that means it's okay for him to say that Holocaust deniers don't mean to be bad people or something. It's absurd.
1: And one last thing to roast Zuckerberg on is he fucking called Donald Trump at the White House, like, after the election victory to commend him on the millions of dollars of advertising he spent on Facebook during the campaign. And this isn't a BuzzFeed investigative report. So, Sam, how does that make you feel? (laughs) I mean,
0: especially since we've talked about the nature of those activities through, like, Cambridge Analytica and shit – and in subsequent revelations, it makes it very fucking heinous to find out that Zuckerberg was like, hey, great job with all that.
1: He's an utter brown-nosing, just... And the funniest part about Zuckerberg is that he doesn't have any of these, like, legions of fans that, like, even Elon Musk has, like, a little charisma that he can, like, draw in these fans. But, like, Zuckerberg has, like, this huge company and this, like, huge public personality and and yet, like, he doesn't have, like, this adoring fan base.
0: Oh, not at all. People think he's just, like, a egg person who walks around and, uh dispenses useless like tech advice
1: so let's move on to the pop culture corner this week we're talking first about a film that has many a buzz about its extremely anti-capitalist pro-union message this is the trailer for boots riley the indie rapper and his debut feature film, Sorry to Bother You. Hey, Cash, how much longer I gotta wait for my money? God made this land for all of us. Greedy people like you want to hog it to yourself and your family. And- Me and my family? Yeah. Cash is, I'm your fing uncle. I just really need a job.
0: 40 02. This is telemarketing. Stick. You to the hey, hello. Uh,
1: Mr. Davison. Cash of Screen here. Sorry to bother. Let me give you a tip. You want to make some money here? Use your white voice. My white voice? I'm never talking about Will Smith's wife. Thank like this young blood.
0: Hey, Mr. Kramer. This is Langston from Regalview.
1: As always, we'll be getting that out to you right away. You're doing so good with the voice thing. Hala, 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 hala. Yeah.
0: All right. yeah. You're going upstairs, Power Caller. They even have their own elevator.
1: Welcome, Power Caller. I hope you did not masturbate today. We need you sharp and ready to go. So, Sam, this, I, I think, falls into a piece of, like, left-wing, semi-mainstream cinema with, like, They Live and really like fucking hits you over the head with like anti-capitalist messages in this movie
0: yeah i think the comparison to they live is pretty good it's obviously about lakeith stanfield who is a telemarketer in this what people say is dystopian world in oakland but it's very close to what we experience day to day i think Tessa Thompson plays his girlfriend Detroit and she's an activist and an artist but by day she's a sign twirler which is cool.
1: She's basically Antifa as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. She does take part in some actual like left-wing stuff. Um, his friend who's played by Steve Yoon, I want to say as the actor, um yep. play what well, is like a left-wing like union organizer at the telemarketing company, but uh, LaKeith Stanfield is called up to the upper echelons of telemarketing to be a power caller, which involves selling basically slavery over the phone. Dan, explain like the, it's not WeWork. WeWork is a real thing, but um, it's called Work, Worry Free is the slavery company.
1: And Worry Free, you could compare it to a private prison. You could compare it to those... You know those, like, the cubby living things that are popping up in, like, Portland and stuff? Like, where 20 people share, like, a studio apartment?
0: Yeah, or, like, Foxconn factories in China where they have, like, the workers living in, like, bunks and
1: stuff. So, essentially, the pitch here... And this almost even creepily reminded me of, like, the universal basic income liber- libertarianism. Oh, yeah. Um, where, you know, you get a rations and a little box to live in and you are worry-free and work in a factory and that's it and you basically are just a cog in an inescapable cycle of like production
0: yeah you've been boiled down to your labor and then relegated to like a feudal contract and i think it actually made me think of wasn't there the story about the chick-fil-a baby where there was like a baby born <laughs> yeah. in chick-fil-a or something and so the baby has like a guaranteed job at chick-fil-a until it turns
1: once it turns 14 and like lifetime chicken
0: and i mean like i guess it's nice for chick-fil-a to be philanthropic but it's also creepy as hell <laughs> like dystopian and it made me think of that as well that was thing that it was a theme for me in this movie was it, it was ostensibly science fiction but everything was something that i could see happening in like a week or something that maybe already happened or is ongoing i mean yeah so we recently saw a a report from the global slavery index of 2018 that supply chains based on modern slavery reach far into western countries like the united states germany japan britain being some of the highest defenders we've seen studies that have shown that the number of people who are trapped in modern slavery kind of conditions in the U S and in the UK are a lot higher than were previously known. And I mean, in Dubai they have those disturbing situations where they bring in construction workers from abroad and then confiscate their passports. So they can't leave. They say, we'll pay you in like six months for now. You can live in like a shanty town until you go work yourself to death in like the desert heat of Dubai and shit. It's a, a little too real in a way.
1: <laughs> and I don't mean to make the film out to be this like sad, bleak, like drama. It's hilarious. It's oh, very, yeah. it's a comedy ostensibly. The challenge for the Keith Stanfield's character, whose name I'm blanking on Cassius green Cassius, right. Is to, and I, I mean, it's perfect name, right. For his characters arc, um, like both cash and green in the name. He has to obviously choose between being, like, the picket line crosser in the upper echelons of the company or supporting, like, his girlfriend and all his friends who are organizing. But the other element that we didn't really talk about is the white voice.
0: Yes, I was going to say we should get into how he is able to... Kind of a seed to the upper echelons of telemarketing. I think it's important to note that his uncle, played by Terry Crews, who owns the house that Cassius and his girlfriend rent uh, the garage of, The his uncle's about to lose his house in classic victim of capitalism sort of story. And he's actually considering joining Worry Free, the modern slavery company, and just willingly giving up on trying to be a free citizen because capitalism has grinded him down and taken what belonged to him. And one of the things that Cassius is able to do is pay for the house and keep his dad out of literal slavery. I think it did do a good job of analyzing how people choose to like debase themselves or become even sort of like slaves to keep their like daily concerns met every day. And uh, either way, the white voice is, it's uh, fucking David, David Cross. Cross. <laughs> <laughs> but Danny Glover's character, uh, he plays like an older telemarketer. And Danny Glover's obviously, like, an acting genius. He says it's a white voice. Like, you have to do it as if you've paid your bills on time. He says you can't do, like, Will Smith. Like, that's just proper and stuff like that. And uh, Boots Riley had an interesting take on it. He said that, like, white people don't even have the white voice. They use it, and it's a performance. It's The performance of whiteness has a lot to do with the performance of, like, economic uh, freedom it has to do with this idea that you've you're free you've paid your bills you don't worry about money you're breezy and easy and it i thought it was awesome because people have been talking about the racial dynamics in this movie but the most obvious thing is the class dynamic of like there there is a a racial aspect to the class analysis in the movie but you have all the solidarity comes from it's all economic from economics yeah
1: and Danny Glover's white voice is played by Patton Oswalt, and just, like, it could not have been a better choice than, like, Cross and Patton to capture that kiss-ass white guy voice. And I loved the surreal elements of the telemarketing job, how he just, like, drops into—and this is, like, minutes into the movie that he just— his desk drops into their like domestic spaces like people having sex he's like
0: sharing a joint with one of the people he's trying to sell stuff to (laughs) it was pretty funny that that was i think people a lot of people noted the kind of bizarre like i guess uh mid-2000s indie look of this movie i don't know if you caught that at all like it looked kind of I don't want to say um what's the terrible like Ellen Page pregnancy Oh Juno? Yeah, I don't want to say Juno, but it did have like the aesthetic just from a face style, like a like uh just purely image based like look did look a little bit like that. I don't know.
1: Army Hammer's character. We talked about Elon Musk before and now he is the super rich CEO I guess of the worry-free company and a huge coke head and what did you think of his performance because he might have been my, one of my favorite parts of the movie
0: <laughs> classic white man you just jump right to the first white guy you can think of for best actor <laughs> maybe
1: it was just, just like, because this it, i literally saw it like as the story of the thai uh, rescue diver yeah called a pedo by elon musk so maybe my contempt for elon musk made me enjoy like Boots Riley's like uh characterization of him in Army Hammer's character cuz he's oh, yeah. just so like uh, I mean every slimy capitalist technocrat stereotype
0: Man the best thing about that character is that even as the more absurd revelations of worry-free come out uh, he is only ever just lauded by the press people are like he's redefining the economy and he has this like perfect like boyish like i thought i was just trying to innovate here like i'm just trying to disrupt and stuff like he never has an appreciation of the kind of havoc he's wreaking or at least he never acknowledges it
1: yo and also that brutal scene of that game show Uh. that (laughs) cash just goes on you just people just beat the shit out of you and he just like jump in a vat of feces yeah yeah
0: the reality tv they watch i was laughing out loud in the theater to that the, some of the stuff they watch on TV was hilarious, but in general, yeah, it was a little too real for me. <laughs> I was just like, well, this is kind of the position that a lot of people are finding themselves in, is like, how are we going to, I don't know, survive under late capitalism? It definitely captured kind of a millennial outlook, um, the kind of desperation that we all have, of like, you know, which institution do we have to join so that we can pay rent every month?
1: We haven't uh, spoiled any details of the plot that I think would um, – like, there's so much to this movie. and
0: Yeah, I thought it was a great watch, and it definitely kind of reminded me, like you said, of They Live. You kind of get to put on the glasses and look at the world through a more – I guess it, it gives people maybe a class analysis that they wouldn't get elsewhere or think about things in their own world differently. Just by looking at it a different way, which I think is always fucking worthwhile, and makes for compelling cinematography as well.
1: So, why don't we spend a couple minutes on Sasha Baron Cohen because this is uh, something that has really set the critical the the criticism world by by storm. Both liberals and conservatives have really lame takes on these I mean, these are just <laughs> well,
0: let's, let's go into the background on the show
1: sure uh who is america is sasha baron cohen's new show where he brings a bunch of different characters to skewer various politicians and uh people in special interests circles and just i guess people around america and he tries to i guess fuck with them and prank them and in some cases uh, really expose some insane like <laughs> ideology as the end of the episode. I, I don't even know if I was like laughing be- or just like cringing.
0: Oh yeah. I was definitely sc- screeching a lot. I think the, the first two bits, like let's go through the bits, I guess the um, one of them was just the, the first one was Bernie Sanders with the, like, disabled, fake disabled veteran. Well, and
1: the show actually clarified that he never said he was a vet. That character actually never says he's a veteran of the Army (laughs) and that he's a veteran of, like, the Postal Service. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Which <laughs> is absurd. So, that that one and the second one where he plays, like, a liberal, like, a, a kind of jokingly stereotypical mi- mi- liberal who, like... Yeah, an hit,
1: NPR donor with, like, a bald ponytail.
0: Yes. Uh, hashtag resistance middle-aged loser. His kids are named, what, Malala and... Uh, I forget, like, <laughs> Nelson Mandela. Was, both of those bits, I think, were him trying... The humor was him saying things and his outlandishness and his improvisations his being sasha baron cohen's but this third and fourth acts were much more ridiculous the third act had him playing an a fake ex-con who literally makes painting out of his own like bodily liquids all of them and shows them to a, a real apparently a real art like consultant in orange county and she loves it even to the point that she is willing to give him snips of her pubes on camera like it's absurd that this is where it shifts into like the humor is what these people are willing to do on camera which becomes very ridiculous
1: then we see this which is definitely the best of the of the four characters the israeli like <laughs> I don't know what he's supposed to be, like, an IDF, like, goon. He's, can you describe his, like, face? <laughs> okay, so one thing
0: that I find kind of unbelievable about this show, and there are chinks in the armor that, like, people were really duped by this, I think. But it, it, all of his makeup is so fucking preposterous, and none more preposterous. I guess he had to do, like, some makeups that people weren't just like, oh, it's obviously Sasha Baron Cohen, but even the fourth act where he's, This fucking Israeli, like, anti-terrorist, terrifying dude. (laughs) And uh, they put, like, this crazy makeup all over him. And he looks like a ghoul. And he does, like, a hilarious, like, tough guy walk as well. But this character is very funny because it kind of exposes, I guess, a little bit the connection between, like, the Israeli far-right and the American far-right. Which is something that you don't see explored a lot in, I don't know, any of our
1: current media. Definitely. So... He gets Joe Walsh and a bunch of other, like, shitty NRA stooges to advocate for. Why don't we just play play the clip?
0: I support the Kindergarten's program. We in America would be wise to implement it, too. It's something that we should think about in America, about putting guns in the hands of law-abiding citizens, good guys, whether they be teachers or whether they actually be uh, talented children or highly trained
1: preschoolers. Maybe having young people trained and understand how to defend themselves in their school might actually make us safer here. A
0: three-year-old cannot defend itself from a assault rifle by throwing a Hello Kitty pencil case at it. Our founding fathers do not put an age limit on the Second Amendment. The intensive three-week Kindergarten course introduces specially selected children from 12 to 4 years old to pistols, rifles, semi-automatics, and a rudimentary knowledge of mortars. In less than a month, less than a month, a first grader can become a first Grenader.
1: All right, yeah, so obviously exposes these cretins for, I mean, what we... Pretty much know the NRA to be, and the libs definitely uh, in Vox had to just had to just have the take uh, that has Sasha Baron Cohen gone too far. Right,
0: I see this, and I think just like can't you take a win? Aren't you guys the ones who hate? Like he has literally like lobbyists. He has former representatives, current representatives. Of the Republican Party Saying these outlandish things Saying that like five year olds should be given guns It's absurd And they won't take the win They're like is this civil enough For us
1: <laughs> But the National Review On the conservative side Had A Even better take They <laughs> Do you want to read this headline Cause I don't know if I don't know if I could say it with a straight face.
0: All right, I'm going in. I'm going in fresh. Sasha Baron Cohen's sexual harassment in the Me Too era.
1: Now, Sam, go to the first couple lines and tell me... (laughs) What are they alleging in this piece?
0: Okay, so they claim that Sasha Baron Cohen... He was filmed doing sexual harassment, apparently, of Texas Congressman and presidential candidate Ron Paul during a 2008 <laughs> interview in the movie Bruno,
1: which is probably, I think, the worst Sasha Baron Cohen movie by oh, far. It's atrocious. Although the Brothers Grimsby was pretty bad. <laughs> but so. <laughs> it's so funny how. This conservative columnist whose name is... uh, Nancy French. So is that like David
0: French's wife? I would love it if that was true. It's time to verify.
1: This piece is so ridiculous because these are the same people who endorse like Roy Moore. Going through this is so funny because the description is like...
0: (laughs) For the record, Nancy French is absolutely David French's wife.
1: It turns out To be a hotel room. There are no chairs, so Paul sits on the bed. The lighting is low. Cohen offers Paul champagne, which he politely declines. Strawberries and caviar are set on a table. He takes off his jacket and compliments Paul's cute appearance. The 73-year-old congressman, who had been politely making small talk, starts to get uncomfortable. He gets quiet and perturbed when Cohen turns out a lamp, puts on sexual music, and begins to dance suggestively. Paul physically walks away from him. A secret camera catches him looking around, but there's nowhere to go. Cohen has blocked the door, oh gyrating God. to the music. Paul picks up a newspaper and pretends to read. Finally, Cohen unbuckles his belt and drops his pants. Wow. Cohen in form-fitting violet satin underwear, and... Paul storms to the door. Bruno blocks his exit. Paul says, get out of here.
0: (sighs) This is so patently dishonest because... Obviously, they're saying the Me Too era. Who are the main people in the Me Too era, Dan? Like Harvey Weinstein, like Roger Ailes, like people who've been doing this systematically forever. So the idea that like Sasha Baron Cohen doing a terrible bit for a bad movie is at all like something that you can evaluate on the same level as like Roger Ailes is
1: just fucking
0: absurd.
1: Luring someone into a sexually uncomfortable situation is not acceptable. Not for Matt Lauer, Harvey Weinstein, Kevin Spacey, or Sasha Baron Cohen.
0: Yeah, why don't people stick up for Kevin Spacey anymore, Dan? Think about it.
1: (laughs) Oh, must be like the dozen allegations that he touched boys. I don't know. (laughs) Jeez, I mean, like...
0: This is definitely, like, a good one for also our beat on the weird rehabilitation of, I guess, Me Too people, which is also, part of it is definitely the fact that people are always trying to deny that, or to, like, trivialize the Me Too allegations against people who did some, like, seriously heinous shit by comparing it to some supposed liberal atrocity that is, like, not even a real thing, or is on a scale that is not even comparable.
1: You know what? I think we've heard enough about that, because that comment you just made applies a bit to our next story we're gonna talk about this insane move by disney to fire james gunn for pre-woke tweets from guardians of the galaxy 3 which is a franchise that james gunn built from nothing to basically set the tone for all these fucking marvel movies like that was the first one that i think really embraced the like cheeky like humor and I actually like that first movie. I think is the first Guardians of the Galaxy is great.
0: I think both of them are pretty good. And I don't even like Marvel movies generally. I thought they're the second one's got Kurt Russell in it. I think it's, they're both pretty funny. Like I, they're basic, but I think they're fine.
1: So, okay. Let us clarify. This is coming from two people who don't give a fuck about Marvel. Who, yeah. This is not coming in any sort of like fandom.
0: I don't even eat bacon. I'm a vegetarian.
1: You are not epic. <laughs> so where did this start? Mark Duplass posted this dumbass tweet saying that Ben Shapiro was nice to me once, so my liberal (laughs) friends could maybe burst their bubble by following Ben Shapiro, who says Arabs live in sewage.
0: Yeah, he said that uh, Palestinians live in sewage and that Israelis are better because they build settlements. That tweet had the hashtag settlements rock, which is cursed (laughs) beyond cursed.
1: Absolutely racist, a white supremacist. A uh, little like gnome boy but that's not our focus here so James Gunn defends Mark Duplass but calls Ben Shapiro an asshole I think Gunn and Shapiro went back and forth a little bit so Gunn suddenly drew the ire of Mike Cernovich Lovely. Jack Poseybeck people that we've talked about before these right-wing agitators
0: it's actually pronounced Jack Proboscis Yeah, you gotta be a little woke sometimes, Dan. You gotta do some research.
1: Or (laughs) jack-pubescent. Well, the tweets from uh, James Gunn... Granted, not great. These are really bad edgelord jokes circa, uh, like, 08. Do you think it's newsworthy for us to look at these, or should we just get into the firing?
0: I mean, just to give people an idea, it's... I don't know. Shitty jokes about like the sexuality of children. <laughs> um, jokes about three-year-olds peeing on him. Um, it was like two child men and a mil- baby,
1: and they fuck the baby. It was like stuff like that. It was like, yeah really weird. Like just, just, just bad edge lord yeah, like, humor.
0: Four chan humor. It's it's bad. It's I don't know if it's like. W- <laughs> It's definitely distasteful, for sure. I don't know if it's, like, the worst allegation I've seen. Maybe because we're, you know, from the background where we know a lot of these kind of edge lordy
1: people, but still. So, Mike Cernovich draws attention to these tweets. I think he's got about a half a million followers. And Disney fires James Gunn from the franchise that he started. Made them, like, a billion dollars. And it's... It is funny how Disney has, like, no loyalty. And, I mean, this decision seems to have been made pretty quickly. Uh, It was basically the next day Gunn was fired. Now, obviously, it's Disney, a, a giant conglomerate that owns Marvel. Do you think that a company like Disney should have the wherewithal to Google someone like Mike Cernovich? To have any idea who the person uh, dogpiling on you is.
0: Yeah, I mean, for people who are unwilling to do research on Mike Cernovich, which is totally reasonable, Mike Cernovich basically just thinks like date rape isn't a big deal or that it's like impossible to do. He's on the record with just horrible, like writings about like sexual conduct. I I don't
1: know. He is one of the main pushers of Pizzagate. (laughs) He enjoys sort of, you know, it's hard to figure out, like, what he actually believes, like, what is just, like, trolling the establishment, (laughs) and, like, what he really believes, and easily you could say he's a male uh, supremacist, I mean, this is a quote, "'Rape via an alpha male is different from other forms of rape. "'We can't really understand this, as our culture is too detached from instinct.'" So, a really strange guy to be calling James Gunn a pedo over his tweets. Just so disingenuous, and the fact that Disney could take this in good faith just shows a complete lack of, I don't know, doing the fucking work on their end. I'm reading this from a page on the Southern Poverty Law Center website. Yeah,
0: it's not hard to know. This
1: information is easy, to, easily out there. It's
0: definitely an act of willful ignorance. And it goes to show maybe how problematic the idea that, like, everyone you disagree with should be fired, even though there are plenty of people who definitely deserve to be fired, like, it is something that the right is weaponizing against, like, or trying to weaponize against the left. This isn't the first time that Cernovich has done this. He tried to go after... Uh, hosted the majority report and MSNBC contributor Sam Cedar with an old tweet, an ironic tweet about like Roman Polanski that Cernovich took out of context and used to smear him. And he was actually fired from NBC for like a day or
1: two, right? Yeah, it was about a week and then they rehired him admitting that it was a complete goof and more egregious, honestly, for MSNBC when you say you're a news network, but you don't know the fucking huge figure in the alt-right online world Um, so Mike Cernovich is someone who has not only a history of egregious tweets Mike was also tried for rape himself Yes, which is so surprising
0: given what he's willing to say on the internet and on the record
1: he has like a, a, a post that's Titled, When in Doubt, Whip It Out. Next time, don't settle for the makeout. And he's got a lisp, which I don't want to be, like, mean and, like, (laughs) uh, imitate his lisp. Because I feel like, we're better than that, Sam. Yeah. But he says, if possible, at least pull out your dick if you can get her to touch it even better. So... I don't want to hear one fucking second anybody... (laughs) pretend that this guy uh gives a shit about like victims
0: this is a guy who just sells the like gorilla mindset which is this idea that if you act like the biggest asshole possible and you're a man then somehow it'll redound to your benefit he's not a serious dude and the fact that like not even that like i'm that shedding that many tears for james gunn but it's still like what the hell like how do you fucking take this guy's word for it out of nowhere and then of course ted cruz jumped on this and dan you had to you had to smack him down a few notches
1: yeah this was probably my my biggest tweet of all time ted cruz posts the fucking james gunn uh tweets in a collage and he said wow these hashtag james gunn tweets are just horrible child rape is no laughing matter as texas sg i handled Far too many child sexual assault cases. Truly evil. I'm glad Disney fired him. But if these tweets are true, he needs to be prosecuted. So you have a fucking sitting senator calling for someone to be prosecuted on, like, baseless joke tweets. Yeah, for this tweets. Is... And For posting. For, for some fucking, like utter clown who parades himself around is like political correctness is the devil and like i decided i needed to find like the most tangible way to prove that ted cruz is full of shit on this so i went to roy moore's campaign website and pulled up the announcement that ted cruz endorses judge roy moore for u.s senate and uh Yeah, it's almost got, like, uh, 1,500 likes. Hearing some really constructive debates in the comments and my mentions about (laughs) Roy Moore's accusers, so (laughs) glad to reopen that. A lot of people making the uh, case that, (laughs) like, because they hadn't heard about the accusers since the election uh, where Roy Moore lost. Where'd they go? Exactly. (laughs) I love that logic so brain dead one of them was like at least roy moore didn't tweet about pedophilia but he did yeah because he was committing <laughs> it yeah of course he didn't tweet about it if he blowing up his own spot he oh was banned God. from the fucking mall but so th- these are the kind of like brainworm people <laughs> that disney made a business decision off of
0: yeah it's not a good look it doesn't make a lot of sense And I think it's very funny how the right, which is supposed to be, like you said, this, you know, Mike Cernovich and all these fucking alt-right assholes or alt-light assholes, whatever they want to be called, are people who say like, oh, what, political correctness is too dangerous. You're telling me what I can and cannot say. And you're all snowflakes. You can't take it when someone says something crazy. And then... They always turn around and weaponize the left's rhetoric and say, like, oh, uh, your problematic tweets are so offensive against women and child rapists. Don't you think that's bad? It's like, okay, you you don't think it's bad. like Like, you're just playing this up for attention.
1: Right, and it's just like we said with um, the Nancy French National Review article. It's taking the like language of the left and like trying to spin it, using it for your own like bizarre like uh, argument. And clearly, Cernovich has now that is an endorsement. That is Disney endorsing his his yeah. way of thinking and his tactics. He won that fight.
0: Yeah, I think it's depressing, and it's kind of... It's ridiculous when someone like Cernovich gets a win. It's the worst. It just goes to show how unpopular, like, deeply unpopular right-wing politics and, like, conservative ideology is that in order to, like, get these minor victories, they literally just resort to, like, the very tactics that they criticize the left for using. It just goes to show how, like, ideologically and morally bankrupt they are and how they have really no traction so anytime you hand them a win like this it makes us all dumber in a way i think even though we're not trying to defend james gunn's initial tweets i think when you allow yourself to be like conned like this it's it's depressing
1: and i also want to clarify i have no stake in whether james gunn directs like the third film in this trilogy like i don't like that that's not yeah that's not what i have a problem with here Oh damn, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 won't be the same. Well, so now he's going after Michael Ian Black and Patton Oswalt and whoever the fuck like comedians uh, like Cernovich is highlighting their tweets. It's so absurd that people make the comparison to Roseanne when posting a racist tweet is racism, but writing jokes about pedophilia is not committing yes. it yeah you're you're comparing and, real
0: racists and like real abusers to people who make bad jokes about it
1: and the collage of tweets from michael Ian black <laughs> include some tweets that literally just mentioned pizza we ordered pizza for dinner <laughs> we ordered pizza for dinner and i stopped after one slice available for private consultations dm for rates <laughs> what <laughs> So that's what you're dealing with here. This is Pizzagate. This is the Pizzagate guy, Disney. The Pizzagate guy. They think that pizza is – And you just bowed down for for the Pizzagate guy. To clarify, they think that pizza is
0: code for child sex, for, like, child sex slaves.
1: Also, uh, I feel like it would be wrong of us to not mention that he did, quote, tweet our show (laughs) the days (laughs) before this. Yeah.
0: Apparently, he actually is an attorney. We call him out for being not an attorney. But he, yeah, I looked it up, and he actually is. He kept trying to reply by saying, like, with his own website, which says that he's an attorney. I'm like, you know I can just, like, Google this, right? Like, <laughs> I can just Google your bar number. Which also has, like, an address on there, which hopefully is his office address. I hope it's, like, for his sake that his fucking home address is not out there. But we got owned by Cernovich, folks. It's a dark
1: day. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And uh the idea that giant corporations don't know how to deal with like fucking Twitter and i don't know the changing like landscape of audience I, I don't know like metrics like they have to figure out like what's a real controversy and what isn't and firing people over tweets most of the time i'm i'm not for that especially when the tweets were i don't know
0: I don't want to, like, apologize too much for him, but it's not the same as, like, some other shit that people have gotten scrutiny for.
1: I think we made it clear we're not apologists for him, but we can acknowledge that it's, you know, this does set, like, a fucked-up precedent. Yeah,
0: letting Cernovich dictate policy is no good, but I feel like we've beaten this to death. You want to move on to story time?
1: Yep. Uh, It's your turn, so uh, what do you got? Okay, so
0: this is a recent one. Recently, my dog has been kind of murderous, and so she's claimed, like, a, a couple mice, some small rabbits. And it's nerve-wracking. Because usually I let her, like, just run around. But now I I feel like I have to keep an eye on her. <laughs> or else she's going to kill something. And she brought back, like, a tiny ma- uh, rabbit. And the rabbit was, was fine. And it, like, ran away. But I guess later, like, the next day, we came back. And the rabbit was there. And the rabbit was, like, staring at us. And specifically, it was staring at, like, my girlfriend. And it just came up. I've never seen a rabbit do this. I was freaked out. This tiny, common rabbit, like, you see billions of them around where I live, just came up and, like, climbed on my girlfriend's feet and was, like, licking her. Oh, my God. (laughs) And I was like, what the hell? So, we reasoned. I was like, okay, so you probably saved the rabbit from my dog yesterday. So... You are now, it's like mother. It, it loves you. And so for a second, we were just like compelled. We were like, we have to become the rabbit's parents. So we like brought it inside. And after I went out to get like food, I got a text from my girlfriend saying, okay, it's apparently like murder to bring them inside. They die like instantly. So she had to bring them back. Yes, yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. It was just so many twisted turns so quickly. So we brought the rabbit back. And it went off into the wild. But since then, I've been seeing it around. And it's just really kind of, like, in love with us. Like, it just comes up and snuggles. It's really weird. I've never had something like this happen. And now I can't let... uh, I have to keep an eye on the dog because I'm connecting with her victims.
1: There's no way this doesn't end with Sally fucking eating that (laughs) rabbit.
0: I don't like to think that way. Uh, Like,
1: there's no way. Too much of a bleeding
0: heart to give up the relationship with the rabbit. We've even named it, which is, uh, I mean, it was a mistake from the beginning.
1: Yeah, once you name it, it's Yeah, it's real. and the name
0: is Ravioli. I mean, it's like, the cutest thing in the world.
1: Damn. You should uh, definitely don't take it in, but maybe, like, drop it off in a, a pasture, like, upstate <laughs> or something, you know, just, like, far away. Oh well, yeah,
0: well, you forget that here I it's downstate because you have to go further south right? to get out of the city. But either way... Uh, we might do something like that, or I guess I'll just drop it some carrots, or whatever rabbits fucking eat, like, near
1: my apartment where it lives. This is a reminder to drop in a What's Up Doc drop. And, what's up,
0: Doc? You, you accuse me of making the mistake of personifying it. I mean, you just took it to a new level.
1: <laughs> All right, folks, that's the plunge. <laughs> what a, what uh show this week sam i think we've said it all
0: yeah we had a meaty pop culture section we've got the james gunn controversy we've got sorry to bother you we've got uh this is america not this is america
1: who is America? Yeah. This is. I would love to see Sasha Baron Cohen as the Israeli doing a shot for shot remake of This Is America.
0: <laughs> I think that the Showtime producers who have listened to this episode are scrambling to turn that into reality.
1: I think that if they don't use that storyline, it'll surely appear in Sasha's next movie where surely he will sexually harass rand paul <laughs>
0: <laughs> like father like son in the name of the father and speaking of the father i mean we've we have to steal ourselves from for when vladimir putin comes back to the united states to wreak havoc our russian sugar daddy the the father of this country
1: the real father i suggest we form human pyramids <laughs> of eight people on the bottom then seven then six you know up until the top and we we create a wall we build a wall a human meat wall (laughs) so all of our solutions to be put to putin have been
0: walls (laughs) number one we said a wall of shit moat first then we said homophobic signs forming a wall to keep putin out and then now a literal human pyramid wall
1: take uh those tactics if you will um bradley whitford and fellow hashtag resistance members um we'll see you next time